Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Michael Stacy. Hello there. And Rashi Srivastava. Hi. It is Friday, June 22nd, 2018, and for today's roundtable discussion, we will be covering three topics. First, AMC introduced its own movie subscription service to compete with MoviePass. Next, the World Health Organization says video games are addictive. What does this mean for the booming esports industry? And finally, Kansas City wants to be known as a startup hub. A new accelerator and innovation fund are trying to make that happen. Let's speak startups. All right, let's do it. Okay. For our first topic, AMC, the Kansas City-based movie theater chain, announced they'll be launching a new subscription service next Tuesday. AMC's service is priced at $19.99 a month, in comparison to movie passes, which cost only $9.99 a month. So this story has been a a favorite of mine for a while. Um, We have had reporters trying to get comment from both companies, and AMC has pretty consistently in earnings calls and in other forums sort of downplayed the threat of MoviePass and other upstarts um, and, you know, so, sort of said that's not something that's factoring in our decision or um, sort of downplayed it in other ways. And then all of a sudden this week, it's clear that MoviePass was in fact factoring into its decision making because they introduced essentially a competing product. Yes, Michael. Going off of that, there has been quite the Twitter feud or <laughs> you could say Twitter beef between the two companies. Big fan of Twitter beef over here, <laughs> i got to admit. Yeah, and today I opened my Twitter account to see a tweet posted by MoviePass in which they said, quote, AMC has repeatedly disparaged our model as a way to discourage our, go- our growth because all along they wanted to launch their own more expensive plan. We want to make movies more accessible. They want more profit. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's Ooh. getting serious in here. As I mentioned, I am a a fan of the corporate Twitter beef. I can think of other examples. <laughs> For instance, before they were planning to merge, T-Mobile and Sprint's CEOs often went back and forth on Twitter. So for my money, it doesn't get any better than corporate Twitter beef. But I think the behavior that MoviePass has exhibited here is sort of typical of your disruptor in an industry. Yeah, They're coming in sort of these swashbuckling, like we're here to, to turn things on their head. And there's sort of this ethos that goes with that of we're going to beg forgiveness rather than ask permission. And we're not afraid whose feathers we're going to ruffle. So I think maybe the, the Twitter interaction is sort of reflective of that. Huh. Interesting. Additionally, I think at the end of the day, the back and forth is is entertaining. But we have to ask, like, what does the, the battle between the startup and the com- incumbent mean yeah. to consumers? And I think it's going to benefit consumers. Yeah. Overall, it's good news, it seems, for consumers. Yeah. At least for the moment. I think their goal is to move into other areas of the movie industry. For one thing, um, MoviePass's parent company, Helios and Matheson Analytics, recently purchased EFO Films. So they're looking into distribution, I think, going forward. EFO Films produce films like Two Guns with Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington and Lone Survivor. Um, Also, MoviePass partnered with Orchard Production Company to distribute American Animals, which was a film that actually showed at this year's True False Film Festival, and I saw it. It was very good. They recently also bought the movie information service, Movie Phone. It looks like they're trying to kind of move into other fields to make revenue, and I think that's going to be very telling about their future. So essentially, these ridiculously low prices that are causing them to burn through cash are actually just a user acquisition strategy. Is that how you understand it? That's what I think. 
but I don't know how it's going to play out for them. I think what they want is to have a really big influence in the movie industry. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Like, the fact that they are getting people to actually go back to theaters is great. And I think movie theaters and movie studios really do enjoy that. But it's just not sustainable right now. And we're waiting to see what's going to happen moving forward. That seems about it for topic one. Should we move on to topic two, guys? Let's do it. On Monday, the World Health Organization added gaming disorder to its internal classification of diseases, which gives mental health professionals a basis for setting up treatment and identifying risks for the addictive behavior. The decision to include gaming disorder now is likely due to the rising popularity of the esports industry, which is set to gross nearly $1 billion by the end of 2018. Yeah, you've got this growing industry, but why does it matter here in Missouri? Well, particularly here in Columbia, there is a little bit of a burgeoning esports ecosystem. Uh, at Columbia College, you have a competitive esports team that was among the first to offer scholarships for college level esports. And I believe one of the first in the country, too. Yeah. Um, Stevens College, I believe, was the first all women's college esports team. Ooh. And Columbia now hosts the annual Midwest Campus Clash, which draws teams from all over the country, and it draws big cash prizes. And uh, we had some people reporting on it this year. Megan, I know you did a story on it. Yeah, I had no idea that it was such a big deal. Yeah, and it's a growing deal here in Missouri. Um, Rashi, I know, though, that you did some additional reporting more recently and and talked to some folks that are building a startup around esports here in Columbia. That's right. Um, Columbia is thriving with local businesses that actually promote positive growth in children within a healthy gaming environment. So I recently got uh, got a chance to speak with Joe Chi and Ben Brooks, who are the co-founders of a local student startup called Ukatsu. Hmm. And they talked to me about how their own love for gaming translated into this mission to create a positive gaming community. As 20-something-year-olds, right out of college, they reached out to Missouri Innovation Center for funds to start their own company. And then they received $50,000. They started holding events and summer camps. And now they have their own commercial place on lease. So speaking of the growing industry, but what does that mean to children? Yeah, were there there any concerns when you talked to them about this uh, new new diagnosis for video gaming and, and the possibility that it is addictive. Right, definitely. They, they did say that it is a possibility, which is why they're helping these children um, so that that possibility doesn't tr- turn into a reality, especially in Colombia. Um, and if you are not gaming in a very healthy environment with peers, with social interaction, and you're just confining yourself in like a small room, in a dingy room you're, the entire day, it's definitely not going to be good for your health. And that's something that they kind of build on. They spoke to me about how uh, this is a field which has so many career options. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And then they also said that one of their other goals is to make parents feel like they're more involved with their children, to make them realize that they're not actually losing their children to Fortnite. Yeah, as, as with all things, I think moderation and balance are key. I guess from a business standpoint, an interesting question is, as this industry is is sort of beginning to gain a foothold and beginning to grow, could we see regulation of the industry because that could really hamper the growth? Um, And I think you can look to sort of analogous industries with products that are potentially addictive. You've got the alcohol industry, you've got tobacco, you've got gambling. 
Those have seen varying degrees of regulation that have had varying degrees of effects on the growth of those industries. So I don't, I don't know if we have a sense of where it goes for gaming. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it really depends on the evidence that comes out about how negative it is, too. I mean, with those industries, there's a lot more evidence about the downside of it, whereas with video games, it's a lot more debatable. Right. And then you also have to factor in the age. I mean, any kind of regulation is going to be different for adults as compared to for children. Um, And they definitely have different effects on those two age groups. So that seems about it for topic two. Let's move on to our third and final topic. There were two pretty big developments this week in funding for Kansas City startups, both with Fountain in their name. First, the Kansas City Seed Consortium launched a $5 million fund. Next, there's a new accelerator for financial technology or fintech. So, Rashi, what do we know about the Fountain Innovation Fund? So, Megan, what we know about the Fountain Innovation Fund is that it is a $5 million investment fund being raised by a group of Kansas City organizations. It's led by Enterprise Center in Johnson County, or ECJC, and will invest in six to ten early-stage companies in the area. Hmm. The problem that this fund targets is the lack of state and federal funding to support innovations in a booming entrepreneurial city in America. That is Kansas City, of course. Yeah. The fund is backed by the Midwest Seed Consortium, a group that includes the ECJC, the Economic Development Corporation of Kansas City, KC SourceLink, One KC for Women Alliance, the U-Wing Marian uh, Kaufman Foundation, and the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, I, I think the thing that immediately jumps out about this is that you have a lot of prominent business organizations in Kansas City coming together in the name of funding early stage companies. And one particularly interesting piece of this is that the Fountain Innovation Fund is what they're calling an evergreen fund. Um, that means it'll be raised from essentially charitable donations and then the $5 million will be distributed among companies and any exits or any earnings from those companies will be plowed back into the fund uh, with the idea that this will be sort of a, a thing that exists in perpetuity. So rather than being sort of driven by returns on profits, investment, yeah. um, the goal is essentially to continue spurring the growth of early stage companies. Um, innovative approach to this, and uh, and I suppose we'll see what impact it has on companies in Kansas City. Hmm. And then the other development from this week is Fountain City Fintech, which is the name of a new accelerator created by NBKC Bank and Launch KC. The accelerator will invest at least $50,000 in five early-stage companies. The 75-day program, which will be run out of NBKC, will offer the company's office space, mentorship, and other benefits. The application process for the program is now open and runs through August 15th. The program's first class starts on October 1st. And that is targeted specifically at financial technology startups. Yeah, a whole lot of fountains this week in Kansas City funding news. That seems to be the name du jour. But the interesting thing about this one is that it is specifically focused on fintech and you have a bank that is backing the project. That leads us pretty well into our notes from the field section. What a coincidence. Who would have thought? Hi there, listeners. My name is Drew Pilevsky, and I have some exciting news. Speaking Startup is now looking for sponsors. Have you been looking at ways to expand your company, but don't know how to reach an audience of informed, business-savvy professionals? Speaking Startup is the best place for you. For more information about how we can best help you promote your product, follow the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Speaking Startup. And now, back to the program. 
For this week's Notes from the Field, we're going to dig a little deeper on Fountain City Fintech, which we were talking about at the end of the roundtable. I talked to Zach Pettit, who will be leading Fountain City Fintech. He's a 2015 graduate from the University of Missouri-Kansas City. He's the fintech strategist for NBKC Bank and a strong advocate for Kansas City being a growing financial hub. In a recent op-ed for Startland News, Zach wrote that Kansas City is America's underground financial center. Our next step is to move above ground and plant the flag as the United States' primary financial hub. I caught up with Zach recently to talk about those big ambitions. Can I have you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about who you are? Yeah, my name is Zach Anderson Pettit. My title has shifted a little bit over the last few weeks, so it's a little confusing to explain. But as of Tuesday of this week, I suppose, uh, my title would be Managing Director of Fountain City Fintech. Before that, my title was Fintech Strategist, and I still kind of wear that hat uh, in terms of just helping the bank kind of strategize around financial technology and what the future of that looks like. Huh. Wow. So first question, can you explain what is fintech for those that don't know? Yeah, absolutely. Fintech is, I would describe it as financial services, actually. Hmm. Um, it's kind of a fun buzzword that gets thrown around a lot, and it kind of speaks directly to the technology side of financial services. You know, as Mark Anderson and pretty much everyone else in the world has said at this point, software is eating the world. So I would say fintech is really financial services in the 21st century. Yeah. What is the source of your interest in fintech? Like, how did you get started in that area? It actually kind of goes all the way back to my childhood. One of my parents was not necessarily wonderful with money. And as a result of some of the things that I saw that parent doing out in the world, I kind of figured, you know, if, if there was a little bit more technology in the world, that maybe incentives could be aligned a little better. And maybe, you know, some of the interest rates of payday loans and things like that could be a little less onerous. And it just seems like there were a lot of misaligned incentives in the financial world. To be candid, yeah. I mean, really, I just got angry enough about the way that financial services worked in the status quo that I kind of decided I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to financial technology and kind of fixing a lot of those misaligned incentives through technology. Huh. Yeah, that's how a lot of great ideas start, with just one seat of passion. So then can you talk a little bit about the Fountain City FinTech Accelerator? How did that get started, and what is your hope for yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how it got started really was just in, in a lot of these conversations that we've kind of been having out with um, financial technology companies about partnering with the bank. And that's kind of, you know, 40% of the conversation is how do we go about establishing the partnership? 60% of the conversation is kind of the same, same kind of boilerplate stuff over and over again. So what we kind of saw with that 60% is that if we could go out and, you know, find in this case, five, you know, fascinating, interesting, potentially high growth companies and bring them to bear and basically just put those five companies in a pressure cooker and yeah. try and create as many partnerships and as much value for those companies as we can within a 75 day span. We just saw that as a, an interesting experiment and a, just a hell of an opportunity because we didn't see anybody else in the United States that is a community bank even doing that. So yeah. that's one of the reasons is that no other community bank has stepped up and done this on their own. And we huh. see a gap there because of how fast we can move on these a lot of these partnerships. So that's what led us to actually starting or having the idea for it. And then we started having conversations with Launch KC. And that kind of led to this idea of, you know, planning a flag around Kansas City really being a fintech hub. Yeah. So that's kind of how it came about. Um, what we're doing is investing a minimum of 50K in five companies. We're bringing five companies specifically so we can negotiate the deal and the partnership differently, company by company. We don't have any desire to scale this year. We really just want to make sure that we're taking care of the five companies that we have involved. Yeah. Um, what kind of companies the, are you looking for? 
Yeah, so financial technology specifically, um, even more specific to that, mostly business to consumer. Yeah. And that's still a pretty broad swath, but um, a lot of these companies, you know, they have great technology, they have great access in terms of their ability to acquire customers. Um, but in a lot of cases, they're missing, you know, um, a checking product. They're missing, you know, some of the banking products that can actually really add value to the customer's lives mm-hmm. versus them understanding their finances. So that's that's kind of the direction we're heading with everything. Yeah, and the program itself kicks off October 1st. So it's all happening in a pretty tight time frame, but it's, uh, it's exciting and things are moving quick. So what's going to be your role as the leader of this fund? <laughs> Great question. Everything from beginning to end, right? Yeah. I'm in the process right now of actually building a team. We're hiring a program manager and at least one intern, potentially two. And I'm kind of the, I guess, the glue of it, but yeah. I'm by no means the, you know, the main one providing value. One of the biggest parts of the actual program itself will be kind of a quasi-regulatory audit that we will work with hmm. our kind of com- compliance department internally to make sure that these companies are you know, being compliant. And if they were to be audited by a regulator, that they would be okay getting through that. You know, One of the things we found in an early stage is that entrepreneurs are trying to grow a business and maybe they're not wanting to pay all those legal fees up front. Yeah. And when it comes to financial technology, that's kind of a scary proposition sometimes. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some important. legal issues there. Are there plans to keep this going long term? Absolutely. This is something we've, we've committed to doing next year for sure. We'll see where it goes after that. You know, startups are startups are hard, and fintech, the Sound City FinTech is very much a startup. Well, awesome. Thank you for joining me on Speaking Startups. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. It's time for our final segment, Can I Get Your Digits? A look at some important numbers in startup and entrepreneurship news. Rashi, can I get your digits? Yes, you can surely get my digits. Wow, Six. I'm so flattered. <laughs> Six, that's the number of programs that Amarin's Accelerator will be investing in for the second class of its program. And here again, we see a industry-specific accelerator that is sort of seeding these early-stage companies in Missouri. Michael, can I get your digits? You sure can. My number is 10 million. 10 million. Ooh. It's a little Austin Powers shout-out for <laughs> nice. those of you Love who it. like bad 90s movies. Anyway, that is the number of patents that have been filed with the United States Patent and Trademark Office since its inception. The 10 millionth was filed this week by Raytheon, the defense contractor. Um, The first one was filed way back in 1836, but there has been a rapid acceleration of the pace of patents in recent years. Uh, There have been 1 million just since 2015. What I like about this particular number is that it is something of a Rorschach test for your thoughts on the state of innovation in the United States. So on one side, you could argue that, wow, look at all these patents being filed. Innovation is live and well. On the other hand, you could argue that there are patent trolls gobbling these up and that ultimately those will stifle innovation by startups and early stage companies that don't have the wherewithal to file for patents. Yeah. Uh, So sort of a loaded number there, but uh, that is my digit of the week. Last (laughs) but not least, Megan, can I get your digits? My number for this week is 30. That's the number of venture capital deals that have been made for companies working to help people improve mental health and mindfulness. That's according to a new article from PitchBook. And it's pretty interesting to note because back in 2009, there was only seven companies working in that industry. It's a pretty growing field. In a field where we have some local players, correct? Yeah, yeah. There's dot-com therapy in Springfield, which was founded back in 2015. It's a growing industry, and I think we can continue to see it grow as the dialogue around mental health continues. 
This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced and edited by me, Megan Lismith. Thank you to my co-hosts, Michael Stacy and Rashi Srivastava. Let's end it with an entrepreneurship tip from Katerina Fake, the founder of Flickr. Pick a good market. The idea for approaching that market may change, but find a meaty problem to solve. You can try to attack it a bunch of different ways. Don't be too narrow. We'll speak to you next week.